Hi, everyone. It's Lisa Gregg. Let's highlight real. Welcome to the podcast, Jess, and thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful for you saying yes when I reached out on Instagram. We have so much to cover today. I want to talk to you about your book and Lewiston. I want to talk about who you are and what is next. And I want to talk about spreading joy through our morning routines. Yes, I watched your IGTV video and I was completely inspired. So Jess, perhaps we can start off where every other podcast does. And maybe you can tell me and the listeners a little bit about who you are. Who I am today is quite a mess if you saw over the weekend. Um, There's space for that. There's lots of space for that. So, I I mean, who I am, I mean, we define ourselves by what we do. I mean, it's just, I think what the world has like inherently, you know, leaned towards. It's like, you know, you meet someone that's like, so what do you do, Bob? And then, you know, Bob tells you what he does and you're like, oh, you're an engineer. And that's what we associate ourselves with. But, um, you know, I'm all of the things that... Um, you would see and read, which is a wife, a mama, uh, a business owner, a philanthropist. And there's a million different things that falls underneath all of those things. But I think most importantly, um, I'm put on the earth. I believe in my purpose and why my story is the process that it is, um, is to be light in the darkness for those that are, are suffering and struggling and to show people that joy is possible even in the midst of death. So that's kind of like my main MO and in there, there's three kids and a super hot, amazing, kind, caring husband who I'm shocked hasn't left me yet because I'm impossible to live with. Um, And then amazing family and friends that rally a clothing line that we have our foundation love for Lewiston um, and then my books and, and my, you know, projects that I speak about. Oh my God. So you are just so, so many things. And what I'll say to anybody who hasn't read the book yet is you do shine light on so many different areas of who you are Mm -hmm. and not a lot of books accomplish, I believe what you did in yours. And I just felt that there was like this underlying narrative through all of it where, and I mean, I hate putting words in people's mouths, but it's just like embrace the hot mess on whatever day we are. Mm, yeah. And I'm even working on that today. Like I write about it and I still have to remind myself to practice that like this weekend, you know, I don't know when this is going live, but we're recording this just after the Canadian Thanksgiving holiday. And I was a mess. I was like, I don't want to be thankful. I don't want to be filled with joy. I just want to like lie on the couch and have a pity party for myself. Um, and so I try to share the realness with people because I think so often you're like, they just see this one glimpse and forget about all the other pieces. They absolutely do. And so your book, Bring the Joy, and I have it beside yeah. me. It mm-hmm. tell me, can you tell me a bit about how this came to be? Because and I mean you'll excuse my language, but like shitty things happen to a lot of people and I am mm-hmm. so anti comparison. I think hard is hard no matter who we are. Amen. Yeah. Um, but not, you know, not everyone has has a, a book in them or has a message that I believe that you do. And so, I'll challenge, I'm going to challenge you there. I believe everyone has a book in them and a story. It's just, I think some um, are maybe meant to be, I think they can all be shared with the world, but I was particularly excited to share with the world because I knew oh, it needed to be shared. What a good way to put so, it. Yeah. So how then, how in your grief and in your hurt and in your growth, all of it, mm-hmm. how did this book, how did it come to be? 
Okay. So, um, originally the book was just going to be this love story. And I'm like, this is going to be a Nicholas Sparks movie. Nicholas Sparks is going to like write me a note and be like, I need to tell this story. You're going to be the next, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I originally started writing this story because I had had all these nudges to pursue my husband. Typically, you know, the dude pursues the chick. That's like, you know, your typical love story. And, uh, mine was very reversed. Um, I pursued my husband. I confessed my undying love three times. He was like, that's nice. I just want to be your friend. And I just was like, no, like we're going to be together. <laughs> we're meant to be. And he's like, you're psycho. Like we're just good friends. Um, and then obviously all of the things happened. Our story is crazy and unfolds and you should obviously buy the book and um, bring the joy. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places you can even listen to it on audible, but the funny part was, is that, um, we finally got together and I had, um, you know, even when we got together, it was still really hard and crazy, but I'd all had all these little nudges and my husband had this crazy story of this drug overdose, which, you know, kind of led our past together. And I invited him to church and where that all unfolds. And so when I'd started writing the book, it was about like these nudges of how and why I pursued my husband, this love story. And, you know, I got married a little bit later, like in my late, late twenties, I was almost 30. Um, you know, which for some people is really late and you're like, well, I can't believe I'm not married yet. And then, you know, we had got pregnant and then we got pregnant with our second and our story is really crazy because our second child got a terminal diagnosis at two months old. We were told he wasn't going to make it till his first birthday. There was no hope, no cure. And we were basically in a waiting game. And so we navigated um, that journey with our son. And unfortunately, the doctors were right um, because there was no hope, no cure, no treatment. Um, he passed just shy of a six-month birthday. And then in January 2017, I made a commitment. I was like, I'm going to write this book. And now I've got to tell the story. Um, because we had openly shared our journey on social media, you know, started to grow and people were curious. And I just wanted to share with people that you can bring joy, even in the midst of death, that you can bring joy in the hard seasons and, and really share this process of, of, you know, where we're going and what we're up to and how you can still be upright and find the goodness. And it took me a long time. So from start to finish, we were about six years of, you know, writing this book, finally pulling the trigger, finding someone to self-publish with, getting a million editing people, um, paying, you know, thousands, almost a hundred thousand dollars to like execute this project. And it was quite the journey and not at all how, I thought it would be, and then exactly how it should be. Um, and so I'm really fortunate I found this publishing team out of Austin, Texas. They believed in the product and I paid them a big chunk of change to make it happen. And so here we are um, with the book and we have had over, I want to say six, 7,000 copies sold, um, which is a huge number for, you know, some just small Calgarian girl who wanted to share a story. So we're pretty pumped and it's being published, pitched to publishers, say that 10 times, it's being pitched to publishers right now. And we're praying that it gets picked up and I can start working on my second book. So, yeah. That is all so, so exciting. And I, I don't want to move forward talking about the nudge, the choice, the joy, and we're going to get mm. to that because that's yeah. like how every chapter ends and I just love it. And I should probably say spoiler alert, um, but I, I want to talk about Lewiston. Mm -hmm. I yeah. just, I think in grief, we never have enough times to say our big and little people's names mm -hmm. to tell their stories. And so I just, I would love it if you could just tell me or the listeners, whatever you want to talk about Lewiston today. 
Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you've read up two beautiful points, which I always, you know, try to talk about on podcasts or when you're in interviews with people, um, you know, two things, I think loss is loss and grief is grief. There's no scale of like your grief is harder than my grief or my grief is harder than yours or because your son was 18 and mine was only six months or, you know, I just believe that loss is loss, grief is grief. There's no scale of whose is harder or worse than others. Um, I choose to look at mine as a blessing I choose to look at how our story unfolded. I believe we had the greatest gift. Um, When somebody hands you a memo and says, um, you've got less than 365 days to live. And um, I'm constantly reminded of the Tim McGraw song, like live like you were dying because you do, you live differently. You're more present, you're more focused. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, Lewiston was a surprise. Uh, Our birth control method uh, was the pull-out method. And we're like, clearly that didn't work. You know, I was postpartum three months, four months, and along comes another baby. And what a blessing because I have so many friends that struggle with fertility um, and we have the exact opposite problem. But now we're dealing with this crazy genetic diagnosis. And our story is really crazy because uh, nine years before my son arrived, I had been volunteering and helping a family that had two children with this rare genetic disease called spinal muscular atrophy, SMA for short. And um, I wanted nothing to do with handicapped kids. I was kind of on my own trajectory and these kids totally interrupted my life. And in the disruption, I found joy in these little um, amazing kids. They were six and four. Um, They're now 18 um, and 16 and like living life and pursuing. Um, What I didn't know about the disease when I started helping out this family was the kind of different severities of it. They they call it types. Um, And today in 2020, doctors and professionals and, you know, people are saying that they're steering away from types, but it's more just severity of it. And of course, my son at the time, he would have called it type one or the most severe form. And because of the early onset uh, meant that it was really aggressive and he was really weak. And so um, this little babe that we brought into the world, you know, and I thought was colicky, you know, ended up having this terminal diagnosis. And uh I mean, it could have ripped our family apart, but I truly believe that Lewiston was almost like our TSN turning point. Um, And we've had to work really hard at our marriage, work really hard at being a family, had to work really hard at being upright. But um, there was something about Lewiston. If you had met him or if you've seen pictures, it's like these big, gigantic eyes um, that would suck you in. And I mean, I'm in the midst of my grief journey. It's never going to be done. There's no, you know, final chapter where you're like, oh, I finished the workbook chapter 19. And, you know, I can sign off and get my certificate. You know, unfortunately, this um, thing of grief, this thing of loss, uh, it's hard. And so um, I think it's a beautiful thing where you said, like, talk about Lewiston. Um, My girlfriend uses this quote all the time. She says that we really only lose someone when we stop saying their name. Um, and so just because they're not living with us, uh, you know, just because they're not earth side with us, um, you know, he, he shows up in the most random of ways, whether it's in the streets of London to my best friend who, you know, was with us for so much of the journey um, at like midnight outside of a pub and Justin Timberlake, this song that we dance to comes on or I'm in a Starbucks and Starbucks never has Justin Timberlake playing or in the grocery store, just like these random little moments. And so, um, you know, Lewison's teaching me a lot and, uh, you know, I'm in the process of working through grief and, and trying to help other people navigate it because it's, won't use the exact words, but they start with an M and then the next word is with an F and rhymes with truck. And then you put an ER on it, but there is no word to describe it. Grief is so, 
um, can be all consuming and then it can be nothing. And it can be um, this thing that there is no set rule book or handbook for it. And so, you know, this weekend, I didn't want to be thankful. I didn't want to be joyful. I wanted to be mad and angry and frustrated. And I just wanted to have all three of my kids, um, you know, and not the pressures of life and that's unfortunately not our story. But in that, um, you know, Lewiston was a wake up call that I needed to get going, to not stay stuck and comfortable, but to pursue um, what I was designed to, to do and to step up in greatness and, and go for it. And so um, we called him Little Lion, and that little boy continues to teach me, even though he's not here. And um, my husband and I had this conversation. We said, I don't. I can't imagine our life differently as hard and as yucky as that sounds. We just know that this is um, the story that we were given and it's ours to choose how we respond to that. And I think I just, I can't say like, thank you enough for so openly sharing his story Mm -hmm. and your story, because I mean, everyone always talks about holding space for grief. And I'm, I'm such a believer. I mean, the therapist in me is like, yes, mm-hmm. we need to hold space. But I just believe I'm all about it takes the village. And we need to start making space for grief. And mm-hmm. we need to start creating these ways that people can just be so raw and vulnerable with where they're at and not feel like the put together version of them can talk about whoever has died in their life. It just needs mm-hmm. to be who you are as you are in mm-hmm. that moment and just talk and and share. And that's, um, follow, I'm, of course I follow you on Instagram and yep. I followed your stories on the weekend and they were so powerful, Jess. Mm-hmm. And how shitty. It's they were so shitty. uncomfortable to, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. That's so shitty. The worst. <laughs> I mean, I look at it and I laugh and it's comical and I literally am filming this damn story on Instagram being like, ugh, here I am filming myself crying. And I often don't do that because I don't want people's pity. I don't want people's sympathy. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. But I always remember that there's just, if I can just have one other person, one other soul going through the dark, going through the hard stuff, then it's worth putting myself out and being vulnerable um, and risking the shame and the guilt that comes out with, you know, producing and, and you know, creating and sharing this really vulnerable hard stuff. Um, but I know it's part of our story and it's not meant to be wasted. So I might as well help someone along the way. Oh, there's so much help in what Brene calls the Brene Brown calls the vulnerability hangover. You know, that moment where you end your story and you're like, what did I just do? But yeah. you know, you just know that there's so many there. And, you know, your chapter, um, leave the chili at home. Oh, dang girl. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I can't say enough about like, I turned the page and got to that chapter. I knew exactly like where you're going. And I, I was just like, slow clapping in my mind because I was like there's going to be so many amazing nuggets in these following pages about I run a grief group at our university and we we call them like death rolls instead of casseroles because it's just Mm -hmm. like all like you know we we the intent and all of that stuff's great but again let's really get honest about how we can start caring for our grievers Mm -hmm. yeah and I think some people even I mean no fault of anyone, but like, never. don't just, don't just show up and make the casserole so you can cross it off your checklist. 
Like I'd rather your, your casserole, which I'm probably going to throw out or leave in my freezer until it's freezer burnt or my freezer accidentally shuts off and then I'm forced to throw it out. But like, don't just bring the damn casserole because six of your other friends are bringing it and you think it's like, you want to check it off. You could, oh yeah, I brought, I brought a casserole to Jess and, and hot Ronnie and made them feel better. And so, um, yeah, that chapter was a fun one to write. I honestly want to expand it, rewrite it. Because I'm like, even now, as I have friends going through stuff and you just think about new things, there's new ways to do it. But the chapter was essentially written to be like, leave the damn chili at home. Like people who have lost it, like they don't need another pot of chili. Yep. And yeah. grief is not, I mean, this goes back to what you even said a couple minutes ago, like grief is not a checklist and supporting grief does not fall into a checklist. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't encourage people enough. So even for the helpers out there who are like, I don't know what to do. How can I be helpful? Read, I mean, read the book, of course. But that chapter I just found had so much wisdom. And I'm just wondering, is there, even like you said, there's things that you would edit or add or change. What, What did you find to be, or do you even find today, Jess, to be the most helpful for you? People like, I mean, I'm four years out. So November 22nd will be four years since my son passed, our son passed. Um, and you know, it's, it's just like people checking in and like asking like how you're really doing. Um, you know, one of my best friends, she'll just sit in the muck with me and, you know, she'll cry with me and she'll hold space and like, not like, no, you should be further along now in your grief journey. You know what I mean? And I think some people have that expectation when, you know, one moment you're doing fine and you're on the mountaintop and you're like, oh, I can talk about Lewiston without a frog being in my throat. And then other times it's like, I can barely say, you know, his name without, you know, my throat hole wanting to slowly close up and feeling my, my chest get tight and you know those uncomfortable emotions because you just start to think about those, those memories with them. I think just sitting with people in it, I think checking in like the check-in after four years, you know what I mean? I think I really discounted how people can hurt. You know, it's like, Oh, your mom passed away five years ago. Well, she was older, you know, you know, but like, you're missing, you're longing, you're hurting, um, you're desperately wishing that you could be creating memories. So I think just like validating and holding space. And then um, simple things like we had this girl, she was a complete stranger up until this point, complete stranger. Um, she sent balloons every month on his birthday. So, you know, well, moms were celebrating, like, here's my milestone. Like my kid loves solid foods, bananas, and he's starting to crawl. I didn't get those moments with my second. And so this girl would just send balloons. And I mean, sorry to the environmental lovers out there. We sent them off into the, into the sky, into heaven. And that's what my daughter now knows. Um, apparently you can get like environmentally friendly like compostable balloons so you know we've transitioned to that but um you know that whole first year I was releasing all of the garbage into the sky my apologies but um it felt good it felt good for someone to remember that this was the day to celebrate and and so there's things like that and then just friends um you know, saying their name or including them. I think if you're planning a special dinner, often people forget to set a space for them. So we just had um, a 60th anniversary for my husband's grandparents and we set, we set a spot. Am I saying that right? We set a spot um, for my, um, my father-in-law who's passed, unfortunately, and my son. And we lit a candle for them 
And so if you're hosting a family dinner or, you know, something where, you know, someone should be there, set a place. It doesn't take any more work and any more fuss and just saying, hey, you know, whether it's a picture or a candle, but honor that person. I think there's a ton of little ways that you can show up just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you in this time and in this mess. Such great examples. And I think it's such a helpful reminder that like... Not that we need permission for anything, but when we are the ones in the depth of grief, it's like we start now caring and worrying about everybody else and like, well, I just don't, I don't want to be the hot mess again or like whatever, here I come, I show up. And it's like when someone says we would like to set a spot or just says Lewiston's name, it like gives Mm -hmm. you permission to grieve, Mm -hmm. which are already. Mm -hmm. And to be in it and be okay with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. As you are on that, on that day, because we all know every single day is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right, like two days ago, five days ago, I was perfectly fine. This whole weekend, I was a bloody mess. My poor husband is like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, at one point I said, should I check myself into the psych ward? Like, that's how dark it got for me. I was like, oh, this is, this is ugly. Uh, yeah. And again, riding, riding those waves, however low or how high they take you. And so yeah. thank you for just sharing the honesty as opposed to that, annoying just stay strong no just just be you Mm -hmm. just be who you need to be Mm -hmm. and so with that I want to transition into what I have no doubt Lewiston is all over and a part of anyway um the whole the nudge the choice Mm. the joy and Mm -hmm. the headings that you end each chapter of your book and I just I want to unpack each of them with you I want to know you know what they mean to you where they came from um and what they're about so I think obviously then I will start with the nudge yeah, I I always want to give credit where credit is due. So one of my really good friends, you know, she's like a sister to me, um, Heather Borzma. We were working on the book together at a coffee shop. And she goes, as like we we're bouncing ideas off of and trying to write more. And um, she's like, what if you like summarized each chapter with the nudge, the choice, and the joy? Because I was like trying to convey how you get all of that out of the chapter. And so she gets full credit for that. That was her brilliant idea. And I love how um, it captures the story, truly. And my my whole point of approaching the end of each chapter, I actually just read an Amazon re- review. And the Amazon review is so nasty. They gave me two stars and they're like, she repeats herself at the end of every chapter. I was like, that's the whole point, Susan. Susan, that is the whole damn point. Like, thank you for your two star. Um, so if you don't want me to repeat myself, don't read the book. But um what was meant to do is, is I believe we have this nudge. So I, you know, for me, I attribute it to, to God, you know, Holy Spirit, whatever it is for you, it might be great Aunt Selma, Buddha, um, whatever, um, your conscience. We, we have this thing that like nugs and, and intuition that tugs at us. And every time we're faced in a scenario, you're then faced with a choice. And I believe it's Rick Warren that said this, my husband talks about it at the funeral, but he says event plus your reaction equals your outcome. And that's where this like whole theory of like the choice is like, you have a nudge now that's on your heart. You have this idea and you have this intuition, you have this like thought, this like idea that sparks and comes alive, you know, get to choose like, how will you respond to that thing? Like, what does that actually look like? How does that manifest? What are the next steps? And you can either choose to step forward into it, or you can ignore it and shove it down, ignore it and shove it down, ignore it and shove it down. And the whole point was, is like when we choose and when we step out and when we make the choice and do the hard thing and show up, 
that's where I believe the joy comes. So it's truly like almost like a mathematical formula where it's like the nudge plus you choosing the thing that you're nudged to do and how you respond is always going to equal the joy in your life. And I believe if we responded to the nudges like, oh man, I really want to go back to school, be a lawyer, but I'm 35 and I could never do that. It's so hard. But you had this nudge and you had this idea, like what would, you know, the people, like there's a Peloton instructor I think it's Robin. She was she was a corporate lawyer, like so making all the bank, you know, wearing the suits, doing the things in New York, and she had a nudge to become a spin instructor. And let me tell you, like this woman is fully alive. And so it's like we have these like midlife crisis moments, these crazy ideas, and you talk to some of these entrepreneurs that have started these businesses, like the lady that owns Spanx who decided to cut holes in her pantyhose, you know, like she was nudged with an idea. And rather than just being like, oh, I'll just keep it to myself. I'm like, you wonder how many females, how many males, how many people have these brilliant ideas or these thoughts or these things that are on their heart for a reason when they, A, could be a multi-billion dollar idea and also like lead to your greatest and biggest joyful moments. And I'm like, huh, like what a thought process. Like it's really not that complicated. That summary, actually, it takes me right into um, this the paragraph in your book that I'm going to mm-hmm. read, Jess. Yeah. I love this. When you said, it's amazing what good vision can do. When life feels blurry, messy, and unfocused, it is important to pause for a minute, regroup, and figure out what your vision for this season is. Get clear. And I just think, yeah, like there's the nudge. But if you don't pause, if you mm. don't take a moment to like sit in the shit if I'm going mm-hmm. to be honest and the muck in oh. the discomfort and the like, cause it, it's not all these like sparks of like, woo, this is amazing. It, mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes from a really dark, horrible place mm-hmm. and we need to allow ourselves to sit in that and, you know, others to be okay with us sitting there and maybe sit with us in the dark there mm-hmm. and to get clear, to hear the nudge. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you read that chapter because I was like, damn, I need to hear that. Because, you know, I have all these ideas, all these things, and, you know, the vision's not laser focused. And so that's sometimes that's the hardest part is like clearing that up, sitting still or sitting in the discomfort. You know, I told my life coach, she's like, you just might need to be in the discomfort. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to be uncomfortable. No one wants to be uncomfortable. It's like, you know, when you're sitting in your chair and you're like, oh, this actually isn't comfy. I'm just going to, you know, readjust here. No one likes sitting uncomfortably, you know, we'll do it. But I think sometimes when you have to sit in the discomfort, it's really hard um, because it sometimes points out some glaring things that you actually need to work on that are going to be even harder. Yeah. I think very few people launch from a very comfortable place because why, why would we leave what's comfortable? Yeah, totally. You know, and so how, how do you create this in your life, Jess? How do you create these moments of pause or to take a step back? Because you are, you're a mama of three, two Mm -hmm. very, I'm sure, busy littles. Yeah. What's in heaven? (laughs) Lewiston is now my easiest child because he's up with God. And so he's having a dance party in heaven. So he's the easiest out of the two. The rest are destroying my house at all times. Right. And so, you know, you're not living life in the slow lane. And so how, like, how do you take time to do this for you to create these moments where you can make your choices to find the joy and and to keep going? Mm -hmm. The two things that pop into my head and obviously I'm really passionate about it is, is my morning routine. Um, 
I think when you commit to being a wife and, you know, a mom, um, you're, you're literally committing to being, um, selfless. Like I look at my mom, I think my mom took it to the extreme where she, you know, I feel like lots of women in her generation lost themselves along the way. And they're trying to refigure out a new groove because all they did was serve their kids and serve their husband. And now in our generation, we're like self-care hashtag self-care in the bathtub hashtag, look at me doing the self-care. And so I believe that that's so important, but like we do sign up for those jobs and make that commitment when you say your vows, you know, make that commitment when you decide to make a baby that like, you're going to take care of them and love on them. And, um, dang, it's hard because sometimes I'm like, I just want five minutes to myself. Isn't that the truth? Well, right. Oh, yes. But like we we did the thing. So now you got to do the thing. And so. Um, for me, it's like my morning routine because it's like, oh, I just want five minutes to myself. I just don't want my phone buzzing. I just don't want someone texting and demanding something. And so for me, that's in the morning. Um, the house is quiet. I love my morning routine in the winter, way more so than in the summer because it's pitch black. It feels like you're just ahead of the world when you're yeah. up and it's dimly lit. And, you know, it's making my coffee, it's journaling, it's doing a devotional, it's, you know, my prayer board. Um, and this, you know, kind of habits I posted in IGTV on it. And it looks different in different seasons. You know, I'm really trying to work on my thoughts because I believe that those are super powerful. And so I've been writing out my thoughts. I write out my prayers. Um, And just having, even if it's an hour um, to myself, that is super, super massive. And I typically take time in the evening. um, You know, is it the best for the marriage? Probably not. But to just come up and sit at my desk and do the things. And I find when I'm most kind of almost creative, which is really weird, which sucks during COVID because we ha- I haven't traveled like I used to, but sitting on a plane. Um, I just flew from Winnipeg to Calgary. I was visiting my family in there for a retreat. And I just like, you know, big piece of, you know, a, a coil bound book and just writing all the things and all the mumble jumble that's in your head. Um, I was able to get that out and kind of work through that. And so I just encourage if you're needing to find clarity, um, a morning routine that's quiet, that's just to yourself. There's nothing like it. It always, always leads to a good day for me. I so agree. And I had been at the beginning of the pandemic, I had been so good about my morning routine. And then like the wheels come off the wagon because that's what happens. And like summer, and that's why I love how you speak to actually seasons, um, yes. and not like literal seasons, but just seasons of life. Life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like, but, and then I, of course, I saw you post about your IGTV morning routine and it talk about the nudge, right? It was my nudge to be like, Lisa, come on. Like you have a three-year-old and the mornings get chaotic and you love, again, just like that hot cup of coffee, the quiet, the stillness, your mind can just be clear. And so, yeah, there was my nudge, you know, right literally on, on a reel for me to just get yeah. back to it. But, and I will link all of these things, Jess, for all of the listeners, just like the IGTV and where to find your Instagram and all of that. And your book, of course, because it was such a great, like little motivational snapshot, not just into your life, but like, okay, like anybody can do this. And and that's just it. And how many people I fell off my morning routine, like all of a sudden we were sleeping until 8.30. What? Because like, remember the first couple of weeks of COVID when it was like lockdown, everyone's like, okay, like what's happening? 
And then, so I was like, well, what's the point? Like everything's, life is canceled. And so, you know, you just shut it off or you don't do what you would normally do. And it took me a long time and it was really hard. And I had to then start booking, you know, my girlfriend, I'm fortunate, has a beautiful gym in her house, but it took me booking working out dates with her um, to get out of bed and get going. And, you know, we started at seven and then seven led to 6.30 and then 6.30 led to six. And so there's just like these moments of like, you, you got to just make small adjustments to really move the needle big time. It, it is small adjustments, right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's like my like message too for anyone who's like listening, not sure where to start. It's like, just start. Just mm-hmm. start with the easiest thing first and, and just build on it. But yeah, your reel or, you know, your like segment really just gives a great place of like, there's so many choices where people could start. So exactly. Thank, thanks for sharing yeah. that with all of us. Yeah. So before we di- dive into um, what I do at the very end, Jess, which is like the deep yeah. dive, kind of rapid fire round. Yeah. yeah. I thought um, I'm going to leave it with you as to like the best place to find you. And yeah. I also am going to link all of that too. So just know that if mm-hmm. you miss something or you don't have to spell everything out, I'm going to just make it really easy for people to find that. Love that. The best place to find you. And also any final thoughts that you just want to leave the listeners with. Um, I, I mean, what, what a beautiful life we've been gifted with. And, and I can say that when I'm in the midst of, you know, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see I'm, I'm hurting. Um, I'm struggling, I'm fighting, I'm, I'm clamoring my way out of a really dark pit. Um, just in a season where it's hard and, you know, frustrated in my business that I'm not further along, you know, p- playing the comparison game where you're like, oh my gosh, like, and people I know are looking at me and what, you know, my, joy and glory and all those things, you know, for me is a problem, but to someone else is like, you know, this blessing. And so, um, whoever, you know, is listening and you're in a season, um, you know, I'd say, um, stop comparing yourself. I always have to remind myself, stay in your lane. Um, I just listened to this amazing message and it was just talking about five more minutes and this quote from Ralph, um, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it says, um, a brave man, is no braver than an ordinary man. He's just braver five minutes longer, something along those lines. I'm butchering it up a little bit, but I was like, how beautiful is that? Is that like, sometimes we see, we have a goal, we have a dream, we have a vision, we have this plan in place. And then you, you step back and you're like, Whoa, like I I can't even, I don't even know where to begin. And so we either get paralyzed and we freeze, you know, we get frustrated because it hasn't happened. And I've been working on this for two years already and it should have happened, you know, whatever it is. And uh, I'm learning to just like, this is part of the process. This is part of the refinement. This is part of the story. This is part of what I can share with other people. And so, you know, if you're sitting the muck, you're in the comparison game, you know, you're not where you thought you'd be, you know, maybe you've just had a loss of some kind, whether it be a parent, a sibling, or, you know, your own child or the loss of a business. I know there's so many businesses in the midst of this COVID, you know, we're feeling it as small business owners, you know, iconic um, Canadian brands are closing up shop. It's hard season, but I, I, I truly believe that like you can look at this and say, there's going to be blessings that come out of this. There's going to be goodness that comes out of it. This is, this is, this is part of my story so that I can get to here. Cause I, I can guarantee you if we look back in five or 10 years, like this will be on the highlight reel where it's like, Oh, because of this crappy, horrible, you know, destructive, it could have torn me down circumstance. It actually prepared me to be, you know, in this new business, or it led me to meet this person for this opportunity, or I met my husband 
husband or we reshifted our focus in our business and everything that we do, it's, it's our response. Like, what is your choice going to be? Um, because you can choose to just like fold up shop and be like, well, COVID got the best of me. And now I'm just going to have a pity party. Or you can say, Hey, okay. Like come at me COVID, like come at me, you know, whoever it is, Susan with your bad, you know, Amazon rating two star. Cause they repeat my book. You're like, come at me. Okay. <laughs> and, and you know, I was mad, <laughs> whatever it is, we get a choice in the matter and it's the event plus your reaction is going to equal your outcome. And here's what I want my outcome to be. I want it to be that I lived well. I wanted to be that like, I didn't hold back. I didn't give two shits what other people thought about me so that I wasn't afraid to step out and do the things I was created and born to do. And we're all designed to do something differently. Like I've never seen anybody that looks the same as me. So if you think about that, if we can have, you know, 7.4 billion different looking people on the planet, I'm pretty sure you can go do the thing in your lane and there's enough for us all to go around. And so this quote of saying like being brave and holding on for five more minutes You've held on for five more minutes before you can do it again. And that's what I had to tell myself this weekend. I just, I've listened to this message by Levi Lesko three times because I'm like, I just got to hold on for five more minutes when it feels hard, when I want to quit, when I want to just wallow in the hurt, in the frustration. I'm going to hold on for five more minutes because that much I know is true. And that got me all the way to here, which is Tuesday. And I've rolled up my sleeves and I've got a little bit more pep in my step and I got my workout and I owned my morning routine. And you just, I'm just going to keep showing up for five more minutes. And if it's five minutes at a time, it's five minutes at a time. Um, but I just, your story's not done yet. And there's something great for you. I believe that for myself. And even though maybe the evidence isn't there, when you have the belief, the evidence will come. Thank you, Jess. That is where, that is the powerful message we're going to leave it with. And now... Now, if you're ready, rapid fire. I need like a special like intro. You do. Like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Right. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me, girl. What is something you want your listeners and followers to know about you? I'm far from perfect. (laughs) Far from perfect. Like, laugh it up, sister. Yeah. (laughs) Susan. Mm -hmm. Um, What is something you are not very good at? Letting go of control. I suck at it. Preach. What is the number one sign that you are overwhelmed? I become a raging asshole. (laughs) Ask my husband. Yeah. (laughs) You get to have brunch with one famous person who is alive. Who is it? And I want to know one question you would ask them. Honestly, I think it's Michelle Obama. That's like a loaded question because there's so many people. Um, I read her book Becoming and two years ago, and it was amazing. Um, the question that I would ask her, I don't know. I don't have that one rapid fire because there's a bajillion things I'd want to ask her. Yeah. I think like ha- what advice do you give when you're in a tough season to rise up again? Good question. Mm-hmm. What is one habit you have that makes your day easier? My morning routine, hands down. Yeah. Like, it's like, I do the things, I journal, you know, I pray, I, I you know, um, work out, I hot coffee, those things, I can do anything. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? 
it's going to take a long ass time to think where you need to be. Like I, I, I thought I would have had like all the things accomplished when I was 25. I'm like getting closer to 40 and I'm like learning to be okay that the timeline isn't the timeline and to like just enjoy the process because th- that's what it's all made up of. Love it. How would your grandparents describe what you do for a living? They'd be mortified. They're all dead. <laughs> um, they would for sure be mortified. I think my grandma Tilly, um, my dad's mom, would kind of be okay. And she she, she did come on. Did she? No, she had passed by then. I think I'm trying to think about stories. Um, but I think she would. I, most of them would be mortified or wouldn't even understand it. Um, but they'd be good sports about it. Um, and they would say that I swear too much and I, I need to be more godly. (laughs) What are you currently binging on Netflix? I don't binge on Netflix. Good for you. Um, I just don't got time. Um, someone told me Emily in Paris and then the home edit came out and this is how much I don't watch TV because I I'll get sucked in. Um, I literally did the home edit, but I like fast forwarded through the thing. So I was like, okay, this is the house that's messy. Okay. They organized it. Then I'd fast forward to the reveal. And I think I watched like an episode in like six minutes instead of the 28 or whatever that it, they filmed it. <laughs> what is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? Okay. It's a greasy diner called Nick's Inn. Where? Um, I, in Headingley, which I grew up in between Headingley and St. Francis in Manitoba. If you're on the number one, anyone that's from Winnipeg knows it. It's a greasy spoon. Um, it, they're French fries with vinegar, salt. They're just amazing. I'm allergic to almost everything else that they have there because I'm celiac now. Um, but they're French fries. I'm a French fry. Like that's my weakness. Like if a restaurant has good French fries, I'm, I'm getting an order. I need to find you a good French fry place for Saturday. Yes. Okay. Please. What is something I did not ask you that I should have? Well, I don't know the answer to that because I feel mm, that you should have. I, I I think you nailed it. I mean, you know what you're supposed to ask. Okay. Yeah. What's the best piece of it? I, I ugh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Dream big. Go anywhere do anything from Roger Lang, a business mentor who I now call a friend who uh, saw something in me that I didn't see myself years ago. And, uh, you know, I could bounce business ideas off of him and, um, you know, was fortunate that he decided to mentor me and walk alongside of me. Um, I believe it was his mom that gave him this advice and he's wise, wise beyond his years. And this dream big, go anywhere, do anything, I think if we all had that belief, uh, the world would be a better place. And then lastly, when you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? My favorite thing is probably call my bestie and have a quick little rant session. Um, often (laughs) we'll be like, I just need a two minute, just need to dump and vent. I just want to vent to you my frustration. And that for me, just like verbally diarying it all out, whatever I'm working through, whatever you're frustrated with, then I can feel like I can like drop my shoulders. I feel like I can go, ah, that feels better. Like I'm just not carrying the burden. Um, so that's probably one of it. And then if I'm having a bad day, it's like, I'm just going to go get a coffee. I'm just going to like enjoy that like hot sip 
just reset, just a little refresh. Those are probably two of my coping mechanisms. Good advice. Yeah. Okay, Jess, that concludes the podcast. The podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thanks. You know, I encourage people, if this spoke to you, you're in the season of darkness, reach out. That's, um, you know, what I believe I was put on this earth to do is, is, to help walk people home um, through through the mess. And so the number one platform that I'm on is Instagram. So connect with me there. I'm always honored to be able to share my story and thankful that people want to hear it um, and that you'd share the space. So I'm beyond grateful. And um, yeah, send me all your Saskatoon recommendations. I'm excited I, to head there. I definitely will. Thanks once again for tuning in this week. I just wanted to give you a heads up that I'm going to be dropping a bit of a bonus episode on January 1st. Just uh, a welcome to 2021 and a reflections and a farewell to 2020. I think it's been quite a year um, and I just want to give us something to a soft landing for 2021. So I hope that you can tune in. And in the meantime, continue taking care of each other. Please subscribe, leave your reviews, share. It all just means so much to me. And until next time, be brave, play big, and get curious. Mm -hmm.